Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey, hello there, everybody. Jan Albert here. Welcome back to episode number 41 of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. We are going to talk today about um, a promise of God that's a little different than we normally do. This is definitely not the direction I thought things were going to go today, but when the Lord says, hey, look at this, and something just kind of leaps off the page of my Bible to me, um, I lean in, I listen, I take notes, I pray it through, and I definitely am excited about what I'm going to talk about today. So, Just to give you a frame of reference for where we will be in the Word of God, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 1. So you probably have a pretty good idea of of where we're at, right? You have the Israelite people in Egypt living in slavery. Think the veggie tales. We were in slavery, right? They're enslaved, and Moses is going to be born in this chapter, right? So to to his parents who were... um, enslaved in Egypt. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you the exact verse from Exodus chapter one yet. First, I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to kind of frame this, give you a frame of reference. Okay, so when I was young, like, I mean, really young, I was probably, I think it was probably about four. I remember sitting on the couch and my my feet didn't reach the edge of the couch. So I may have even been younger than four. I don't know. I was pretty little, but I remember looking at my feet and legs and I don't probably watching TV with my brothers or something. I don't know. But I thought I looked at my legs and I thought, that's not really me. Isn't that a weird thing to think as like a, as a kid who's not even in school yet? That's not really me. I thought if you went in through my eyes deep down inside of me somewhere, that's me. So I had this really weird Um, looking back, I know that it was the Lord laying a foundation, right? And I know he's done that in your life too. There are things that you can look back and go that right there. That was God speaking into my life, something that has become a foundational truth. That's really important. I knew from, from that moment, and I never forgot this. That's how, one of the reasons I know this is from the Lord. We don't remember all sorts of random things that happened when we were little. That's why our parents tell us a story and we go, Really? I did that? I had no idea. I would never have remembered that. Well, I remember this because God wanted me to remember it. I've never forgotten it, that who I am is, um, it's I'm an eternal being is really what God was saying, that there's there's it's something inside of me that will outlive my flesh and bones. My body will decay. I will die. And yet I will live on uh, to eternity with the Lord. Or for some people, They will live on forever in a place that is not with the Lord. And that's the ultimate heartbreak um, of the Lord's life. That's not his will for anyone. So I think that you know what I'm saying when I say that, that even though God didn't give me that whole message, he gave me this foundational life principle that I knew from a very young age, even growing up in in a home where we were not Christians, we did not talk about the Lord that just wasn't that's just not how it was. So he put something in me that I would never forget to know that there was more to me than just flesh 
and bone, something much more important and lasting. Who I really was, was not about um, my skin, so to speak. So it wasn't about my appearance. It was, isn't that a great gift to have from the Lord as a young woman growing up in this modern era? Now you fast forward a few years. I'm not really sure how many years. I say a few years, but I was still pretty pretty little. It may not have even been a few years, okay? And I promise this is going to get back to the point. God put all of this on my heart all at once. So I promise these aren't just stories about me. There is a point that's for you that God wants you to hear today. So hang with me. Okay, so a few years go by or whatever it is, months, whatever. And I have this other moment that uh, has stuck with me forever. And I had this thought where I remember, I, again, I'm messing around and I'm I'm playing outside or something. And I looked at myself and I thought, boy, you are really white. Now, I was born in Rapid City. So um, when I was little, there were Native Americans around and they are not white like me, right? So, um, and then we moved to Tucson. My grandparents lived there and we... Uh, Tucson's about an hour from the border and I had a lot of Hispanic friends. And um, there were times that I definitely felt like, Ugh, I really, I'm, I look weird. You know, why am, am I so, I look weird. You know, I don't, it just was, it was different. Um, not in a, in necessarily a bad way, but I was the minority at times and that was fine. I was totally fine with that. Um, but looking at myself, I was just like messing around playing and it was like, oh, I'm really white. And I just had this sense of, all at once, again, this this huge all at once download that I now know is from the Lord of like, you were born this color of skin in this exact moment in time. You weren't born hundreds of years or thousands of years ago. You were You were put on the earth at this exact moment in time. And you were born in the United States of America in the most modern point in history. Like I knew all of this in an instant. And I remember thinking that I don't, I don't have excuses. Now, listen, again, this might sound really weird and abnormal. I was a deep thinker, even as a child, I was a pretty responsible kid. I took things seriously. Um, and even though we were, we were poor, look, I got to tell you, I did not grow up, um, wealthy. I did not grow up middle-class. I grew up poor. Um, but that wasn't really, none of that was on my radar. It's like in that moment, what God was really telling me is that I wasn't going to get an excuse. I had no excuse. What, what I had was an obligation and a responsibility that I was blessed to be born when I was born and where I was born, that, that I should never look at my life and see a bunch of shut doors and woe is me that I needed to look at it and say, um, I have opportunities and I have responsibilities and I need to take seriously the fact that this is where I'm living. This is where I'm born. This is on purpose and thus for a purpose. Now, all of that, again, didn't come to me the way I just said it, but it was all there. So I had these two foundational things that that I was more than just flesh and bone, that my life was more than that. And that I had an obligation, a responsibility and a blessing and that I didn't need to look at my life through uh, not through rose-colored glasses, but also not through self-pity or woe is me or I can't do that glasses. Not that, well, people in my family just don't go to college or people, you know, I mean, it didn't, I didn't look at my life that way. I looked at it very differently always because of those two things. Not afraid to try new things. I never have been. I don't have, those are not my issues. They're just not. And it goes back to those moments I'm sure that you've had moments like that where you can look back and say, yeah, that literally changed the course of my life. It changed who I was and how I looked at everything 
um, just because of what God spoke into me at that moment. We all have those. We all have those. Okay, so I'm not afraid to try new things. Not my issue. I have a lot of other issues, not that one. I never looked at it and thought, well, I'm poor and so I can't do X, Y, Z. Or I'm female, I'm not a male, so I can't do X, Y, Z. I just didn't, those things just weren't there. And not because I'm, uh, I was, I was uh, well studied in, in the common thoughts of the day or I'm an ultra feminist or anything. It really wasn't any of that. It just was, I'm not allowed to have an excuse because something in me that was, that was uh, revealed to me way back when I was a child, made it clear, I don't have an excuse. I'm not, I'm not going to have some excuse on my last day. If, if I don't step up and live the life that I've been given to live, that's going to be on me. That's going to be on me. I'm not responsible for what other people do. I can't possibly be, but I am responsible for how I choose to think, how I choose to react, the decisions I choose to make. Okay. So so that, for whatever reason, was um, in my mind this morning. And then I opened my Bible and I'm reading Exodus 1. And this is when, you know, so you think of Joseph went to Egypt. He brought his family to Egypt. He rescued them from um, a terrible, horrible famine. And they stayed in Egypt and they grew. And no matter what the Egyptians did, because obviously time went by, a new pharaoh, a new king came to rule over Egypt. There's some history that says maybe um one of the Hyksos kings was ruling over Egypt when they first enslaved the Israelites and they were, uh, they, they, they didn't want anybody, they weren't full on Egyptian rulers. And so they were really trying to work to maintain their authority in Egypt by any means possible. They were very oppressive. And so that's how the Egyptians probably started being enslaved. And then there were, um, you know, I think verse 12 here, it says, but the more the Egyptians oppressed them and opposed them, the more they multiplied and expanded so that the Egyptians dreaded and were exasperated by the Israelites. Okay. So there's like a, there's a lot of tension here, right? There's a lot of tension here. Well, eventually another King is on the throne. Um, it wasn't the, the Hyksos King. It would have been, mm, it probably, it might've been King Tet the first. We don't really know for, I don't know for sure. I'm not that well studied in it, but it was um, a different King that they were enslaved a long time. It was 400 years. So when the slavery first started, it was one rulership and then it rolled into somebody else. Right? So now you have this particular King at the time that Moses is born. Okay. Here's where, here's where I think this gets really good. And I hope this just blesses you because this is for you. I need, I need you to really hear this. I need you to hear this today. This is super important for you because this is what God put on my heart for you today. And he wouldn't put it on my heart so strongly in such a weird way and have me share these really bizarre personal stories from my childhood um, if, if it weren't important that you hear it. He wants you to hear it. Okay, so I'm going to move on to, eh, let's see, verses 13, 14, 15. And the Egyptians made the Israelites serve rigorously, forcing them into severe slavery. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar, brick, and all kinds of field work. All their labor was harsh and severe. All right, this is our main verse. Um, this is verse 15, and let me read it, and I'm going to tell you why why it's important. And then I'll skip ahead and read a couple more verses from Exodus chapter one, verse 16. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiprah, Shiprah, I think that's how you say it. It means beauty. 
and the other named Pua, which means splendor. And he basically said, when the Hebrews have their babies, if it's a girl, let it live. If it's a boy, I need you to kill them. Verse 17, but the midwives feared God with profound reverence and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the babies live. Uh, so when the king called for them and said, why are they living? They said, well, they're not like the Egyptian women. They have their babies really fast. We can't get there in time. Um, and it says in verse uh, 19, it says that they feared God. Basically, 18, 19, 20, they feared God more than they feared the king of Egypt. That's amazing. When you start fearing God in your life, more than you fear any power or authority, uh, your lousy boss, your 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 you know your sister-in-law who just really slanders you to everybody, whatever it might be, when you start fearing God more than you fear those situations, when you really fear, as in you have like, um, verse 21 describes it as their fear of God was with profound reverence. When you reverence him, when you are just not going to go against what he has told you to do, no matter what, no matter what, you're in an amazing place. You're in an amazing place. So, so, and it says, so God was good. Verse 20. So God was good to the midwives and the people of Israel multiplied and became very strong. Verse 21. And because the midwives feared God with profound reverence, he established families and households for them. And this is, um, this is from the Amplified Version. Now, that it's a big deal there, that establishing families and households, because sometimes midwives were, uh, they didn't really end up, they kind of took care of everybody else, and, and just societally, they didn't always have um, the blessings on themselves. So these women were blessed. They had families and households for themselves because they feared God. Yeah, you could say, well, didn't they lie, go to the king of Egypt and lie? Yep, they sure did. But they feared God and reverenced him. And so he blessed them for that. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna debate whether or not their lie was was right or wrong. I mean, they were they were being told to murder children. They were being told to literally murder baby boys when they were born. And because of their profound reverence for the God who had created every one of those babies, just like he created every one of us, they were not gonna kill him. They'd rather lie to the king, to the person in authority. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not saying to justify lying. Um, don't put, you know, those words in my mouth, but I am saying they, that um, murdering babies, that was just not what God wanted them to do. God does not condone child sacrifice, and he was not going to bless the king of Egypt's edict to murder his chosen people. Okay, so they they were willing to risk it all because they feared God. That's a good place to be. That's a really good place to be. It's a place of real freedom, real freedom. I read someone once who said they had the situation they just kept fighting for. They thought it was right. Um, I'm not going to go to details because that's not my place to say, but um, they just were like, this has to be the right thing. This has to be the right thing. And when they finally just let go of trying to kind of control the situation and manipulate the person, they had so much overwhelming peace, even though it sure seemed like this was crazy and there's no way this could end well. I think it was probably somewhat like this for them. Like they probably had so much peace and blessing and favor that even though they were defying the king of Egypt's edict, they were so blessed. Okay, let's get to the promise. So what I referenced earlier about myself and having kind of those foundational things, I understood that. Um, just because of 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 those instances, I understood 
that it really wasn't a mistake that if I'm accountable, if I'm responsible, then I'm really probably not a whoopsie. I don't know how you got here. You're not meant to be here. I understood even before I knew who God was, I kind of already had this understanding that he, that he was real, that I was more than just a mistake, that I had been given the gift of life. And the same is true for you. I don't care who's told you, you were a mistake. You're not. You're not. I don't care if it feels like you are living in the wrong point in time. I've heard people say, man, I should have been born, you know, I I was born into the wrong era. No, actually you weren't because God doesn't make mistakes. He created you and gave you life at this exact moment in time. And you are a beautiful gift to this world because he says that you are. He says that you are. I think the biggest thing that jumped out at me from verse 15 is the meaning of the names of these two women, Shipra and Pua, beauty and splendor. Number one, when God brings any, any life into this world, any human life is, it comes into this world. He is speaking over them, beauty and splendor. These midwives would have been the ones bringing these babies into the world. And the fact that the first person to kind of see you as you come into the world uh, the first person to to hold you, to clean you up, to touch you, to make sure that you're okay, to wrap you up, to keep you warm, um, you know, to get things going if they need to get going, smack the baby on the bottom to get them to cry, clean, you know, aspirate them out, all those things. The first touch you had that these people had in their life, and I want you to know that this isn't in the word of God by accident. The first touch you had on your life was someone touching you because God says this is true, touching you and speaking beauty and splendor over your life. You are created in the image of the most high God. You are one of mankind, one of womankind. You are the pinnacle of God's creation, beauty and splendor, beauty and splendor. Think about that. That's the value that God gives to every single person he created. That's the value God gives to you, that God gives to you. If I mattered as a little kid enough to have these kind of weird moments where things were just emblazoned in my heart and mind and where I could look at my life through all of my decision-making points and say, um, no, I probably don't want to take easy street here. I'm going to go do this harder thing because I'm responsible. I'm responsible. Look at where I live. Look at what country I live in. I could have been born anywhere, but I'm not. I could have been born at any point in time in history, but I wasn't. I was born now. That's not an accident. I'm responsible. So I'm going to go do this harder right thing. I never would have had the nerve to start a podcast, honestly, where I talk about Jesus so frankly, where I talk about the word of God in ways that I know it's somewhat polarizing. I know there are people who who have not had the best experiences with um, with religious institutions, which is not the same as Jesus. It's not the same as Jesus, but it is the common experience of a lot of people. I know that life has been hard. I know there are people who don't understand If God is what you say he is based on the promises of God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And that's a topic for another another day, but suffice it to say, God's promises are true. They are the they are the truest thing about every situation. I know it. I've lived through some through some stuff that's just it makes no sense. And yet, and yet, and yet I know that I know that I know. I stake my life every day on the truth and the reality of God's word. What God says is the truest thing in any situation, period, the end. And if I can't see the end from the beginning, if I can't make head from tails on this situation, 
If I don't have an answer for your unbelievably painful, confusing, you just don't get it. Why would God let this happen? He could have prevented this circumstance. None of that negates the fact that God's word is 10,000% true and always will be. It's the truest voice in the room in any moment of any day. And it's his word is the truest thing in any situation, circumstance that you and I will ever, ever face. I believe that. It's polarizing to say that. It's polarizing. I do not like polarizing people. I'm not super comfortable rocking the boat. I would like to get along with people, to bless people, to encourage people. And I hope I do bless people and encourage people. But the get along with people part falls way down the list for me. It's kind of like the midwives with Pharaoh. Yeah, doing what he says is really not as important as reverencing God. I have this foundational understanding that I don't have a choice. If he said, do it, I'm going to lean in and do it. If one person listens to this episode, thank you, Jesus. If 10,000 people listen to this episode, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to obey. Either way, it's not about the numbers or the results. Of course, I want more people to to get into God's word by any means possible. And if that includes a podcast that you listen to, praise the Lord. But I don't do it for those reasons. I don't do anything for those reasons. I do it because God gave me this foundational truth before he even saved me. He was putting things in place that were doing one thing, drawing me to himself. And from there, I'm obligated to say out of out of a, a heart that's so full of love and gratitude for saving me, for rescuing me. Thank you, Jesus. What do you want me to do today? I'm going to I'm going to be all about that. That's how I got to this passage today. Now for you. Okay, you have homework. You have homework. I know I'm so mean giving you homework on on Friday before the weekend starts. Here's what I want you to do. Can you think back to something that was foundational for you and look at it maybe through a new lens and say, oh, that was the Lord drawing me to himself. This incident may have happened last week. There may be something where you go, oh my goodness, that was the Lord drawing me to himself. Can you look back at some incidents like that and see what was God speaking over my life, speaking to my heart and my mind, cementing in me, like, you know, the footings on a building are huge. The bigger the building is, the bigger the footings are, the, the deeper they run. What footings was he putting in your life by telling you something that you really needed to hear that changes how you look at the world around you, that changes how you look at, at yourself, that changes the way that you make decisions? There are things God has done that he's put into place. It's no different than he chose these two exact women to be the midwives to the Hebrews at this exact point in time. And what happens? Moses is born and he isn't killed. And he ends up being not only the deliverer of God's people from Israel, but also if you think about everything that happens in um, the next several books of the Bible, he laid out the basic foundations for how Jewish religion would would work, how they would relate to God. He he gave revelation to who God was. He opened the door for, so he did so much. We tend to think of him as just their, their deliverer. Oh, he did so much more. He laid foundations. How does God want to use you to lay a foundation in somebody else's life? What has God spoken to you at your burning bush moment, maybe, that you need to share to somebody else? Here's the promise, guys. Sometimes we're the promise. And I don't mean that in like some weird, uh, like elevating our status to equality with God. That's absolutely not true. Zero percent chance I believe that. Nonsense, monk. I am not a mini God running around on this earth. I'm not. 
I'm not. I know one point in time when I was saved and my husband was not. And um, yeah, of course, I was praying for him. It's very early on in my walk as a Christian. Like I'm talking about months, right? I got saved as a young adult and I'm praying for him and praying for him. And I'm also just talking to him and telling him things. The Bible says this. And I heard this preacher on TV say that. And I read this in this book. And I know that the Lord spoke to me and said, is your name Holy Spirit Junior? And it was like I'd been slapped. I was like, no, it is not, not at all. And he said, get out of my way, get out of my way. I was getting in the way and hindering the work he wanted to do by the way that I was going about it. I'm not saying it's wrong to evangelize a witness. It is not. I was just doing it wrong. It wasn't touching my husband's heart at the point it needed to be touched because the way that I came to Christ is different than the way he came to Christ. And I had to get out of the way, pray more, speak less of my, out of my own thoughts and thinking. So I'm not saying I learned early on, I'm not Holy Spirit Junior, but what I mean by we are part of the promise is that if you are willing to do what God calls you to do, you can help lay a foundation in people's lives. Like Moses did. If you are willing to fear and reverence God above and beyond what any other human and God's not human, what any human thinks no matter what the reaction might be from the people around you, you can be like these midwives were. You can be beauty and splendor. You can touch people's lives with the beauty and splendor of God. You can help them to know how much they matter. If you would lean in and really embrace and hear what I'm saying to you today, you are here on purpose for a purpose. You are an answer. You are an answer for someone's need. You just are. Because you have the the ultimate answer, and that's Jesus. So we are the answer when we can point at Jesus and say, look at this right here. Look at this right here. You do that a million ways, not just in your words. When you post on social media, when you send somebody a note or a text, when you pray for somebody, they might not ever even know you pray for them. Have you ever driven by um, you know, a house or a business and felt like, I'm supposed to pray right now? Who knows what the results of that are? You're being an answer right there because you are going to Jesus on behalf of someone else and you are pointing other people to Jesus all the time just by way of your life and then also by way of your actual evangelistic witness. We do need to be about the Great Commission and share Jesus with others. You are worth it. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because you're on this planet. You're alive. You're listening to this. Jesus put you here at this time for this for this exact season. It is like Esther for such a time as this. You're here on purpose. You have a purpose. Jesus loves you so terribly much. I don't even think I could possibly convey it. Beauty and splendor are what were spoken over your life from the moment that you were born. And as it says in verse 21, because they feared God with profound reverence, he established them. And it says specifically families and households. I don't know exactly what the blessing is that God wants to so firmly establish and build up and grow in your life. But when something's established, it's settled. It's a settled matter. He's got a blessing that he wants to establish in your life that will be a settled matter. Like it's not, you aren't going to have to worry about, it's going to slip through my fingers, like trying to hold on to grains of sand. It's going to, nope, it'll be established. I know he has an established blessing for you. That's the promise. But don't forget, you really can be a part of the promise. Somebody, somebody is hurting. They've, they're walking a road that you've already walked. You have hope for them. You have hope for them. You have hope for them. God created you out of a place of such love. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? It's almost like, it's almost 
I really don't want to put words in God's mouth, so I'm not going to. I'm just going to say to me, there are people that I have met when I, when I am, when I am really looking at people through just the lens of Jesus and not through hurry and through my day or whatever, but really seeing the people, the people everywhere around me, boy, everything changes. And I, and I look at them and I see, I see that, that God is fulfilling his will through them, that he loves them so much that he promised that he would never destroy the world again by a flood, that he made certain promises to mankind that he loves us so much and that every person walking around is a part of the promise he made never to destroy the earth by means of a flood, no matter how wicked things get. Now there's going to be a destruction. The book of Revelation makes it very clear, but it's not going to be by water. Like it's, so you're walking around as a part of the fulfillment of God's promise. You have a purpose, you have a purpose. And the first thing that was spoken over your life when you were born, even before you were born, even before before he knit you in your mother's womb, he knew you. All the days of your life were written in his book before even one of them came to pass. How can you be an accident? How can you be here just randomly floating around adrift? You're, you're not, you're not. You were created by that God. And the first thing that he has spoken over you is beauty and splendor, beauty and splendor. And he wants to establish you permanently, firmly, in a fixed way that there's just no wiggle room and no room for doubt in in areas that are blessing that will just be ideally fit for you. It's absolutely your truth today. I want you to head into your weekend or whenever you're listening to this, I'm recording it on a Friday morning. I want you to head into your um, weekend, week, uh, maybe you listen to this at the beginning of a new year and you're going to be so ready for 2020 to be over and 2021 to start. You go into it knowing that beauty and splendor have been spoken over your life and that God's promises are for you. They're all for you. That's how much he loves you. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Hey, I wanted to, um, let you know that I am, working on um, a devotional for God's promises. And none of the verses that I'm using, they're all verses that have the word will in them because y'all know how I feel about the word will and a promise from God. Will means will and all means all. And when God says he will do something, oh, bet you by golly, wow, you better believe he gonna do it. He's gonna do it. He will do it. So it's a 40-day devotional. I have a few more days to write and then I'm gonna format it um, and uh, it'll be available on, I'm gonna just sell it on Amazon as a Kindle ebook and then as a print book. I've done that before, but um, I'm looking for beta testers. If anybody would be willing to read it and leave me um, maybe a review, early reviews when a book comes out can be really helpful. Uh, they're just, they just are, but you know, it's just the face or Amazon is huge selling machine. Algorithms are, they are what they are. So you can imagine every review makes a difference, but um, if you'd be interested in reading it as a beta tester, let me know. I have a few more slots available. You can, uh, you just email me, find me on social media or email me at janelbert at outlook.com and I'll get you, I'll get you hooked up as soon as it's ready to go. But I'm excited about it because all of the verses have the word will in them and none of them, um, so far I meant I've written to almost the 36, so I have just four more to write, but none of them have used any of the verses I've talked about on the show. So we'll see if I can finish that way. It's been kind of cool to see, um, you know, at first I thought, oh, I'll just do that. And then it'll be kind of a duplicate of that because some people read and don't listen to podcasts. But then I was like, no, I want to just, I want to do something different. So if you're interested, let me know. I would love to have you as a beta tester. And um, I'm really excited about 
continuing to grow in the promises of God. I got to tell you, doing this podcast and writing this book, I am so much more uh, convinced that God's promises are so true. The more I write, the more I study, the more I talk to y'all, the more I just want to jump up and down and say, this is true. This is our truth. So that's also probably my last bit of homework for you. Get into God's word, find a promise and just start believing it. Think about it, write it on a sticky note, ponder it throughout the day, talk to yourself about it, like, you know, in your mind or even out loud and and remind yourself of how true it is. I'm going to tell you what, you're going to start to have explosive faith and you're going to see things shifting and mountains moving. It's the coolest thing ever. So every promise of God, every promise that God has that he's spoken in his word, it's true. Joshua said, not one of God's good promises to us has failed to come to pass. And that's true for you. I want you to believe that even today, even today, you're going to see evidence of God's hand moving in and through your life and on your behalf in response to your belief, faith, trust, hope, love, your profound reverence, your fear of the Lord, and your belief that he has spoken beauty and splendor over your life. Ask him to establish you in a way that means the very most to you, more than anything else ever could. Something that maybe only you and God would know would be just the greatest blessing of your life. Ask him to do that and see, won't he do it? I really do believe he will. Okay, thanks for being here. And I will see you next time for episode 42. God bless. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.